0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, good morning, Fusion Church. Happy Monday. Happy Labor Day. It's so good to have you all with us. I'm so proud of you guys for getting up early on your hopefully hopefully your day off to come and dig into God's word with us um if you're watching back later on the podcast on the on the YouTube watching this after sleeping in congratulations thank you for still joining us even um and let me know how that extra sleep felt (laughs) all right um so go ahead we're going to dig into God's word uh you missed it yesterday too starting off uh yesterday was an amazing start to our new message series called deep and wide Pastor Brendan, talking about why reach, right? Like you guys are an incredible part of the equipping we do, but before people can be equipped with God's word through soaping and through other means, like connect groups, you know, the best part is we get to reach people first. So if you haven't had a chance, dig into that message, catch it later. So, so powerful. Um, and if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure you dig into our connect group list. Yesterday was a kickoff of our of our connect group signups. We have 50 groups open and available for you to get signed up. So there's no excuse not to get plugged in this semester, whether it's fellowship group, another Bible study group, a combination of the both, EHT location, come to County location, Zoom, whatever it looks like. Find a group for yourself and get plugged into community here, right? Out of rows and into circles, okay? So that being said, let's stick into God's word, right? Open in prayer, come on. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for another day we get to come into your presence that we get to come with your word to guide us. And the day, Lord God, of your grace, your mercy, your love in our lives. We're pray right now, Lord, that you, I, would, I would decrease, God, and you would increase. Lord, your Holy Spirit, and open our eyes, ears, hearts, and minds to your word, to your truth, to your life, to your love for your people, God. Help us to see more of you in our lives, more of you in our day. And God, hear, open our hearts to what you have for us in this time together. In Jesus' name, I thank you and I praise you. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's dig in. So this morning, we're in 1 Samuel 21. Um, I'm reading from the New International Version, NIV. So previously on SOAP, dun, dun, dun. Um, last chapter, we read about how David has been running into some issues, right? Um, King Saul feels threatened by David. Even though David is, has been humble, hasn't been no threat personally to Saul, Saul is getting—he's getting angsty, right? He's seeing the potential that David has, and the influence that David's building amongst the people, and so Saul is getting jealous. He's getting threatened. He's getting insecure, right? And so, because of that, he's coming to try and kill David. And so, um, Jonathan finds out David's best friend, and Saul's son finds out about this. So Jonathan convinces David to flee. Um, and so as we're as we're kind of you know. Going into this next chapter, we're seeing David's on the run, right? So starting off here, 1 Samuel 21, uh, verse 1. David went to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest. The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread, whatever you can find. The priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech. Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon, because of the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It's wrapped in the cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. This next portion is David at Gath, titled Verse 10. That day David fled from Saul, went to Ashik, Achish, King of Gath. But the servants of Ashus said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands? David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Ashus, the king of David, the king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. While he was in their hands, he acted like a madman. making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at the man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen? Do you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? this man come to my house? Word of the Lord. All right, so take a quick second to hydrate, quick second to stretch, do what you gotta do. We're gonna dig in, all right? So back to the top here in verse one. We find David, we sit on the run, right? So he runs to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. That's it's really, it's, it's great, right? So David's in trouble. He's feeling threatened. He's feeling fearful. And what's the first thing he does? He runs to the priest, Ahimelech. He runs to God. He runs to God's house, right? He runs to God's presence. He runs to God's word. Someone who can give him advice and spiritual guidance, right? That's a great choice, but then he makes a wrong choice. You know, he lies about it, and we see more tomorrow in tomorrow's reading. Um, why that's, that's such a wrong choice, right? So, so stay tuned. Come back for tomorrow. Um, but right now, today, we're seeing how you know he's trying to make the right choices, and he still messes up, right? We all make the right choices at and for some portion of our choice. And maybe we mess up. We, have, we make a wrong choice at the same time, you know? Um, and so he, you know, he asks Ahimelech, in verse three, for some bread. He's hungry, right? He's on the run. You know, when Jonathan told him to run, he didn't have time to go back to the palace and pack a lunchbox, you know? Like, he, he's just going. He's running for his life, right? So he's hungry. And so he asks for bread. And we actually see how this comes out. Um, All the tradition, all the beautiful symbolism behind this bread. Leviticus chapter 24. Do you want to skip over to there? Turn back in your, your Bibles or your virtual Bibles with us. Um, Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 through 9. It talks about the bread, right? It says, Take the finest flour and bake 12 loaves of bread, using two tenths of an FF of each for each loaf. Arrange them in two stacks, six in each stack, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. But each stack puts them in pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be a food offering present, presented to the Lord. This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites, as a lasting covenant. It belongs to Aaron and his sons who are to eat it in the sanctuary area because it is the most, is most holy part of the perpetual share of the food offerings presented to the Lord. So remember that time Aaron and his sons, the uh, Levitical priests, they didn't have an inheritance, right? Their sole um, sustenance came from the Lord. From the Lord's uh, people and the sacrifices they brought to them, right? So it's really beautiful, this this bread they're talking about, the consecrated bread. It's also called the show bread at the time. And really, it's beautiful because the show bread literally means bread of faces. So that time when the priests would eat the bread, they were eating it in the presence, face to face with God, you know? Um, And it's really beautiful too because it shows how that intimacy God desired with his people, right? At the time that the priests were the ones who were set aside to be holy, before the lord and there's such a, a desired uh communication desired presence intimacy with putting and his people the priests got to eat it face to face with god right with with a a bond of of sacred bond you know a hospitality before the lord At that time again the culture you know having a meal together was something really sacred really, really special really you know bond bonded people same way, like it's, it's some it should to some degree now today you know bond people together right and so it's really special, you know, seeing how the priests had this this relationship with the Lord. And so, um, so when so when David's asking for the bread, he's not asking for you know some regular old bread. He's asking he's he's had to be really humble, right? He's humbling himself, like, hey, I'm starving. I have nothing else, you know. Can I just give me that, please? You know. Um, and it's also really important too, because at the at the time, the show bread was meant to be fresh, right? Every day. Was fresh bread being brought to the Lord, you know? And so, what David was taking from Ahimelech here is actually the old bread. It's you know, it's day old. It's it's dry. It's you know, it's not the best best condition, right? So again, that's how desperate David is. You know, he's eating day old bread. It's dried out. It's in the desert, so it's covered in, in dirt or sand. You know, he's desperate, and he's still seeking God in a desperation, right? And so, but. If you catch it, if you catch it back in Leviticus. It said that um, the bread belongs to Aaron and his sons who are to eat it. But it never says only to Aaron and his sons, right? For like a really good distinction to keep that the bread belonged to the priests. It was their role, their their, their um, provision, their portion to eat this bread. But It was never just for Aaron. Nothing ever said in, in, um, in scripture they couldn't share it, right? And so because of that, because you know, Ahimelech is a, is a priest after who, who knows God's heart, who wants to, you know, serve the people, not just himself, like some other priests at the time, you know, he shared the bread. He, you know, because when God provides for us, we should provide for others. Amen. And so when Ahimelech knew that God had provided this bread for him, it was his 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 blessing, his opportunity to provide for David as well, right? Because so the bread wasn't just intended for the priests, you know, God doesn't provide just for his holy people, just for his his Church staff, just for those who are better than everybody else, right? Who think they're better than everybody else, you know. God provides for all of us, whether we're priests or we're, you know, running away from our problems, you know. Whether we're Ahimelech or David today, God wants to provide for you physically and what you're going through. But at the same time, you know, Ahimelech knows the knows the um, the sacredness of this bread, so he asks David bluntly, like, "Are there any women with you?" you know because at that time those ceremon- ceremonially unclean, you know. Nowadays we call them cooties, <laughs> But back then it was called they would call it ceremoniously unclean, you know, to have a uh, male and female coming together before a sacred meal before the Lord, you know. Um and so he wanted to sustain the sacredness of of the the bread for David. Um and even though nowadays we don't see it that way, you know, we share a meal, you know, it's it's not like a we're not ceremoniously unclean when we eat together. Um, it did make me think, though, kind of question about what it looks like in your life when you're surrounded by the wrong people. You know, if God wants God wants to bless you, God wants to provide for your life. If you're the wrong people, you connect to the wrong crowds of people. He can't let that happen, right? If God wants to, you know, bless me by by having this this great job opportunity or this great you know promotion or you know, have this, this this good friendship circle of great Christian brothers and sisters to spend time with and to grow with i'm I'm too busy over here with the wrong people you know i can't accept god's provision i can't see god's blessings in my life right and so even though we don't separate men and women you know as we did back then it still begs the question what would what happens in your life if you're the wrong people around you what are you missing out on what's what's god saying hey i have this for you but you're so focused on the wrong people sometimes you can't see it coming right and we see, and kind of, that's a little touch of the legalism at the time, right? And we actually see, that's um, the Old Testament. So the New Testament, we see that that legalism is challenged again by the Pharisees with Jesus in Matthew 12. So you're having uh, paper Bibles, digital Bibles, go to Matthew 12, uh, verse 3. Um, Jesus actually uses this, this story of Elimelech and David to explain about the religious customs, right? Um, Jesus answers, Haven't you read what David did when he, went, when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words meant, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You have you would not have condemned the innocents for the son of the man, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And so we're seeing here you know Jesus is reinforcing Elimelech's heart to serve David. He's reinforcing the selflessness of Elimelech, you know even though it's easy for us to oh this is my portion. oh this is, this is meant for me, you know God, God wants me to have this. It could be true, right? You know God wants good things for his people. He wants to provide for his people. but at the same time we as his people, have the, the privilege, and you know, and the duty really to provide for other people through our own provision, right? That's that's where we tithe you know, we give back to God. So hey, you provide for me, God. I'm going to give a portion back to you. Hey, God, you know, God provide the bread for Elimelech, even though it's it's holy, even though there's legalism around it, right? But, but Elimelech knew that there was a need, right? And legalism is, is one thing, but having a need to meet with other people on a personal level, that's more important, right? Um in the message version, it, it says how there is far more at stake here than religion. If you had any idea what the scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual who would be nitpicking like this, right? another perspective on it and translation on it. it's all saying the same thing. you know that Elimelech is 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 showing here and Jesus reinforces that human traditions are never more important than God's Word itself, you know because like I said, you go back to beginning of um, in Leviticus, it never says the bread is only for the priests. It says it's for Aaron and his sons. It's their provision. But Elimelech like, knew God's words so well that he knew, hey, this is mine, but I also have a chance to give it to somebody else, right? Because at the end of the day, relationship and building up each other and serving one another has to be more important than religion, than legalism. That, oh, this is what cut and dry is, That that, you know, and selfishness, really. You know, it's so easy for us to take some to take God's word out of context, to provide for ourselves. Right? Oh well, God says I should have this, so this is my blessing. Here I go, and become a selfish thing. Right? And we see that in in previously in the opening, right? In chapters and chapters before, where there's priests who are who are crooked. You know, priests who are being selfish, taking God's provision and God's sacrifices for themselves, and didn't end well for them. Well for them. Spoiler alert. You know. Go back and read it, like, and listen back. It didn't end well for those who use God's word for selfish purposes, you know? So this is why following this example of a is so, so crucial here. And that's why Jesus reinforces it, right? Like, you know, there, there's more at stake here than legalism, than religion, you know? I desire mercy and that sacrifice. So continuing on now. Um, also, something else really key, I think it was really, you know, a one-line kind of phrase that was kind of put in there, too. But really powerful from David. It talks about his men, right? And he says uh, in verse five um, how the men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. You know, he's talking about, you know, the men are on this this mission, quote unquote mission he's lying about. You know, there is no mission going on, right? So he's saying, oh, they're on a, uh, their bodies are kept holy, even on missions that are not holy. Uh, I think it's a great reminder for us, too. Even though it's made up, even though it's a lie coming from David, there's truth behind it, right? For us today the truth behind it is, because the Holy Spirit living in us as Christ followers, our bodies are holy temples, right? Our bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. Even when we're messing up, even when we're caught in sin, even when we're, you know, on an unholy mission, trapped in ourselves, our flesh desires, right? Our bodies are still holy. God's still calling us to be a holy temple, right, for him. So, something to think about, right? If you're feeling trapped, you're feeling, you're picking up to this morning, you're just not feeling like, You matter, okay? Okay, right. The truth behind it is, you do. Your body is holy. We are called to be a holy temple, a holy purpose, holy—you know—a lighthouse, right? As individuals and as a church for God's purposes, Amen. All right. Continuing on down in verse seven, we meet a new character in the story, Doeg, the Edomite. Not Doug. Hi, Doug. See you on soap with us. Um, it's not Doug the Edomite, it's Doeg the Edomite. Um he's from the land of Edom, right? Edomite. And the land of Edom, the, those are those are the people who are descendants of Esau, right? Jacob and Esau, the, the dueling brothers. So the Edomites are actually descendants of Esau, which makes them enemies of the Israelites. So even though he's here in the temple, um, we see that that there is some some tensions are brewing, right? Something's about to go down because the enemies are. Or listening to what God's people are doing. He he's what David's doing, right? Uh, so verse 8. David asks, do you have a spear or a sword here? He's looking for a weapon, right? Because he knew, now he's, he's kind of getting, he sees that um, uh, Doeg is here, right? He's going to think, oh, there's, there's enemies around me, right? Saul's an enemy. Edomites are around me. So he's getting, you know, again, that fear is building, that anxiety is building in David. And because of that, you see him continuing the lie, right? This is another great opportunity David has to say, hey, here's what's really going on. Hey, I need some help, you know? But instead, he's he's bringing on this lie of, oh, I'm on the king's mission, you know? Instead of really revealing the real reason. And because he's, he's continuing this lie, because he's not revealing the real reason, it keeps him from fully being helped and protected by God, right? And I think it's, I think it's you know, really ironic, right? It's ironic from human perspectives. God's plan cleared by God's perspectives. Um, and this lowest valley moment of David's life, this hard season he's in running from God, running from, from Saul, I'm sorry, running from, you know, and, and fear and distrust and, and all these different, you know, the separation from his best friend, right? It's a low valley season. And yet, here's David coming face to face again with a souvenir of his greatest mountaintop experience, you know? Here's the weapon of the sword of Goliath, right? So he took, when he killed Goliath by that stone, he took the sword and killed Goliath. He killed a major, you know, cause of fear in his life and the Israelites' lives, right? And that here he is again facing more fear. So A, have hope this morning, because if you ha- you've you conquered fear once, you conquered a situation once, you conquered a temptation once, and you-, you find yourself stuck in it again, you're not alone. All right, we all go through seasons of of learning things, of lessons of sins that come up, up again and again sometimes. You're not alone. David went through it again too, time after time. Um but B, what you use in your past victories will help you fight and win in your present or future victories. Amen. So David's again facing the same fear, same struggle, same battle again, right? And God's saying, hey, this is your past victory. You're using that for your present victory, right? The reminder he's David's getting, the reminder we need in all this to have trust in the middle of a distrust. And it, you know he's, he's not trusting God. He's not trusting Saul, right? He's not trusting Elimelech. Because if he was trusting Elimelech, he would tell him what's going on, right? But he's not. He's lying. So all this distrust is building around David. And yet, here's a great reminder of what happens when you trusted God but in the past. You you fought your fear. You won that battle, you know. So reminding for us this morning, too, that what you used in your past victories will help you fight and win in the present or future victory. It also reinforces the the great um, importance of spiritual markers, right? Having those things in our lives, whether it's a journal, whether it's um, a photograph, whether it's a sign, whether it's um, a T-shirt, you know, whatever it looks like. Have that spiritual marker in your life to remember God's faithfulness. You know, when David, when David saw that sword, you know, that, that should be a reminder to him of what God's done, right? You know, having a record or something to look back on and in those hard moments when it's hard to see past what you're looking at, past the battle you're facing. You can't look forward, look back, right? Don't look back to cower. Don't look back to, to hide and shy away. But look back to see what God's already done. So you can look forward again with renewed focus, renewed eyes. Amen. And so because of what was said, but because of all this is going on with, with David and his fear, his, intru- his distrust, his anxiety, he's given the sword from Elimelech, and then he's left to fight the battle by himself, right? Imagine if he'd been honest with Elimelech. If he had said, hey, that sword's great, but I'm really struggling. Hey, this is thank you for this, but here's the truth, you know? Elimelech could have fought with him and guided him and given, you know, more protection, right? But instead he's left to fight by himself, you know? So so David was desiring a physical sword to fight with, but Ahimelech, as this priest, could give him a spiritual sword like we have today, amen? We have, as Ephesians 6, 17 says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you know? David's so focused on the physical battle so he sees a physical weapon. When we have our eyes focused on Jesus and we see the spiritual battle we're facing, we need a spiritual weapon for that, amen? That's what God's word comes into play. So again, soaping is so crucial, Having a connect group to build on God's word of is so crucial, right? Having that spiritual sword and companions to fight alongside us in truth, that's what we need to have. Amen. So, our first question so, going into the application questions today, our first question is, what are you using to fight the battles you're facing today? Are you using a physical weapon or spiritual weapon? And, second part B of that is, are you being honest with what you're up against so as to let others come alongside you? If you're not being honest, the reality is, no one can fight alongside you. If you're not going to be honest with each other, honest with fellow Christ brother or sister, a fellow connect group leader, connect group member, a staff member, whatever it looks like, you know, an elder, whoever it may be, if you're not going to be honest with what you're fighting against, you're going to keep fighting that battle by yourself. Even to God, right? If I'm being honest with God, what you're fighting with, he can't give you the sword of the spirit to fight with. I think going can come to him and be honest, you know? So being honest with what you're fighting is the first step to fighting a battle, Amen. All right. Second half of this uh, is David at Gath, right? So, um, so after he gets the sword of the Spirit or the sword um, from Goliath, uh, from Heimelech, he he carries on. Right? He knows that, like I said, he saw uh, Doeg was there, the Edomite. So he knows God's God's enemies are closing on him, getting close to him. Plus, he also knows that he's uh, Saul's chief shepherd. So then, so he knows. So if Doeg knows where David is, you better know. Saul's gonna know where David is pretty soon, right? So he flees. And so he tries to go someplace where you won't expect him to be. And that's Gath. And Gath is actually in Philistine territory, right? Um, so again, we see what happens, right? Because David's not being transparent with El- Helamelech, he has to keep running on his own. So instead of facing his problem, he's running from his problem again, right? And so, the longer it takes us to be honest with others and honest with God and trust God and what we're facing, the longer we're going to have to keep running from our problems. All right. Reality check of the day. You know, if you're running from something right now, you either have to face God and be honest or you have to keep running. You know, face a sister and brother in Christ and share and get prayer with, with, with what you're going through or keep running. You know, can't do both. So, again, the irony of David being in Gath and Philistine territory with Goliath's, you know, we see he's got the sword of Goliath, the sword of the victory. And yet here he is back in that place where he felt fear, back with anxiety, back with, you know, trying to hide from his problems, even in the midst of God having a wake up call. Hey, look, I brought you out of this problem. Hey, look, you conquered this fear. And yet here David is still stuck. So if you, if you do find yourself running this morning, you're not alone. You're not stuck. You're not beyond help, right? If David was running, and we get stuck running sometimes too. It happens, all right? There's no shame, there's no condemnation, right? Conviction, maybe, hopefully, but not condemnation. All right. Um, and the reality is in this moment, you know, David's again, he's so focused on the physical, he's trying to seek protection and refuge from with even though he's surrounding himself with people who are hostile and defied of God, right? These are pagans, you know, and so and so it's a far cry from where God was calling him to. God was calling him to. To the palace, to a high place, you know, to to victory. And he saw he all he sees is the, the bow surrounding him. So he's stuck there, right? Um, and verse eleven shows that. Right? Verse eleven, uh, the servants of Achish, the the king of Gath, you know, they say, "Isn't this David the king of the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances?" Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Sometimes, let's be honest. Sometimes others see what God put in us before we see it or remember it ourselves, you know? So these these people of Gath, like, they, they know who David is. They know he's a, a hero. They know he's, he's a, a, a war, you know, war victor. And yet he forgets it. You know, he's, he's, so, he's so stuck by the battle he's facing, he loses sight of who he is. But the people around him haven't, you know? There's people around us, you know, who, who can help direct us to back to who we are, God's people, as as chosen people. As as free from sin, right? But instead, what we see, it's it's ironic here too, because it's the his enemy. His enemy knows who he is. Our enemy knows who we are, too, you know? And, and so it's up to us to see who we are, too, so we can fight the enemy we're facing. Amen. Um, so verse 12 it talks about how you know David was very afraid of the king and the people, so he pretended being be in their presence. And and he says um, in verse 13. While he was in their hands, he acted like a madman. We got kind of another perspective on this. Um, again, you know, David wrote the Psalms, right? So so Psalm fifty-six, go over there, you know, paper Bible, uh, physical Bible, or a virtual Bible, go ahead and to Psalm fifty-six. Um, we see what happens in you know, then at that point, uh the, the Psalm 56 is has the tagline of when the Philistines had seized him at Gath. We see, we said in verse 13, while well, he was in their hands, David was captured by the Philistines, right? What happened? He crossed the line, crossed the boundary. He was someplace where God didn't want him to be. And what happened? He was taken captive by the Philistines, right? Again, this is the guy that beat the Philistines. He was, he was, you know, they were scared of him, but he's scared of them because he gave in to that fear. He didn't come to God. He wasn't being honest, right? He was running because he was running. He ran in the wrong direction into, to, into being captured, right? And we see you know, Psalm 56, where it reads, Be merciful to be my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long, they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. And in their pride, many are attacking me. So we're seeing it in that he's, he's still full of fear, right? But we see that shift in verse 3 of Psalm 56. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose words I praise. In God, I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And we see, you know, we see the, the change in his demeanor, the change in his words, right? Uh, verse nine, you see, then my enemy, enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this, I will know that God is for me. And God, whose word I praise, and the Lord, whose word I praise. And God, I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? So even may he's like a madman, right? We're starting to see how God's working on his heart. We're working, you know, to build that trust back up. Um, And it talks about how, there was saliva running down his beard, even right. Kind of graphic, kind of like, E.O. gross, David. You know, um, but at that time, because of that time, um, the men in the culture would consider this something only a man out of his right mind would allow, right? And at that time, men's beards were part of their dignity, part of their respect, part of their position. You know, um, to have this egg dignity to their beard and making it be disheveled in a mess is disgusting. Right? Think like like a baby drooling you know it's like oh babies are cute when they drool you know but for an, a, an adult male ew what are you doing david like what's what's this madman act you're putting on right um and so the really key thing here you know is is david didn't trust god enough to be honest and humble before helimelech to ask, to ask for help right so what happened so god had to humble him here from his enemies by, by the philistines right so if we can't humble ourselves alongside friends or fellow believers. God's going to humble us in front of our enemies, all right? That's why being honest is so crucial. You know, seeking help is so crucial. You know, don't let that be you this morning. Don't let yourself be that, that person God has to teach a lesson to and humble before your enemies. Find a, a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Find, a you know, someone to come along, a pastor to come alongside you. Find, you know, a, just come to God, right? Find someone to be honest with. Otherwise, you're be stuck being humbled by someone you don't want to be honest with be humbled you know in a, in a position or a coworker or a boss whoever it looks like you know a family member right who's gonna who's gonna find out something and you are gonna be in trouble then you know just like David's in trouble here he's trapped he's in trouble you know um some commentators too the question if David was you know if he was still acting in the flesh like trusting himself in this position of acting like a bad man for David's own plan to try and protect himself or for it was God's plan God's kind of you know Working his way through all this. Um, no, so and we kind of see that how in Psalm 34, again, more Bible verses crossing all through all the references, you know. Uh Psalm 34, uh the the uh tagline is he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away. So we you know, so we're back in the same story, right? We're seeing how he's he's pretending to be insane here. And Psalm 34. And we see where it reads, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. So we're seeing how Dominus kind of, you know, j- the journey of David through through the Psalms of fear and panic, uh, both of these Psalms, starting out fear and panicking, but remembering to trust God and the victory. Trust God for protection. Trust God to provide for him, right? And the irony here, you know, again, is that David, he's he's making himself shameful. He's, his face is literally covered in shame. He's drooling. He's Foaming at the mouth, he's you know making his beard a mess. He's literally covered with shame, and yet he says in verse 4, I'm sorry, verse five of Psalm 34, that those who look to him are radiant; their faces are never covered with shame. From, from an earthly perspective, humility looks like shame. From an earthly perspective, humility looks like embarrassment. It can look like putting yourself down. It can look like you know making a fool of yourself sometimes, right? But from an eternal perspective. Humility is what we call kingdom currency, right? Humility brings blessing. It brings honor. It brings God's favor. It brings God's, you know, his connection and with his people relationship, right? So even though on the outside, from a human perspective, humbling ourselves looks like a really challenging situation. It's really difficult. From an eternal perspective, a godly perspective, it brings blessing. It brings It brings that next level of relationship with God, amen? So the second question we have for application question is, what song are you singing today? Are you singing one of fear and doubt or one of trust and reassurance in God's faithfulness of your situation, of your life, over his plans for you? So to so close out today, again, we we'll going to recap our uh, two questions and one more question, right? Three questions. We close out this time together. Um, one in the first half, what are you using to fight the battles you're facing today? physical or spiritual weapons? Are you being honest with what you're up against so as to let others come alongside you? Or are you trying to find the battle by yourself? Uh, question number two, what song are you singing today? Is it one of fear and doubt or one of trust and reassurance in God's faithfulness over your life? Uh, and point number three, we see here from beginning to end of this chapter how God provides for David in every way, in his body, the bread, In his mind, with the Hemlock's company and guidance, and his spirit, replacing his fear with praise. So, three questions we close out today. How do you need God to provide for you today? How can you be honest with Him and with others to open the doors you need to open for you today? Is it a physical need? Is it a need in your mind, a need in your spirit? Whatever it looks like, be honest to God today. Be honest with somebody else today. Find someone to help provide. God, find God's provision through somebody else. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, oh God, for your word. Thank you, God, for your example of David that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to, you know, we can, we can be human. We can have human emotions. We can, you know, fall into fear, we can fall into anxiety. We can fall into depression. We can fall into running from our problems even, God. And yet there's nothing we can do or feel that brings us too far from you. There's no place, God, you can find us. You can't provide for us. Because you love us so much, God. You love us too much to leave us by ourselves. Pray, Lord, God, for all of us who need provision today, whether it's in our bodies, our minds, or our spirits, Lord. Open us up up to have the hearts ready to receive it, God. Open us up with hearts of humility, with spirits of of praise, with a heart and mind, Lord, that's focused on you and your word and your truth. Help us, Lord, to find what you have for us today, whatever it looks like, whatever it it may be, Lord. Help your people to feel more of your presence today, more of your provision today, more of your blessing today, and help us in turn be a blessing to somebody else today to provide for, provide for others' needs as the need also. In your name we thank you and we praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Happy Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Happy Labor Day. Have an incredible rest of your day. Have a great day off, a great start to your week. We'll see you all soon. God bless.